Blog Talk Radio. Zohar and 15 show. My name is David Fournier, one of the instructors here at Restoring Grace. Thank you so much for joining me, either live or archive. And I so much appreciate your support of the show. Hey, I wanted to say that today's episode is uniquely dedicated to my friends, uh, colleagues, sometimes opponents and challengers who hold the role of the pastors or shepherds in whatever type of religious background, denomination, or beliefs that you may uh, endorse or believe in. You have a tough job. Today we're going to talk about the path of the Zohar because the Zohar itself, or Path of the Shepherd, because the Zohar itself does comment on this. And in Christian circles, the idea of the shepherd is very important. Jesus says in the book of John, uh, he talks about being the great, the good shepherd. In the book of Matthew, he talks about, um, you know, a good shepherd leads his sheep, and also talks later about the idea if you strike the shepherd, you scatter the sheep. But in post-Jesus' resurrection, the Apostle Paul makes a comment in the book addressed to Hebrews, to the Jewish people because he understood that they would get this analogy. As he said in uh, Hebrews 13:20 in the benediction towards the end, now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord. <coughs> the idea of shepherds and shepherding is something that's prominent in the Christian faith, is prominent in, the, in understanding in Judaism, is prominent in many of our faith backgrounds. But there's much confusion. There is much confusion over the role of the shepherd. I want to say this again, and I say it over and over. I say it virtually in every church that I get the opportunity to go talk in and speak to people about, is we need to understand that shepherds do not produce sheep. Well, that is unnatural growth. Sheep make sheep. And the role of the shepherd needs to be clearly outlined. It needs to be clearly understood again. We need to go back and look at it again. And the role however we decide to define it, needs to be completely different from the role that is assigned to the sheep. So that when we look at our congregations and we look at the things that are happening in our churches and in our, our communities and spiritual fellowships, the shepherds are doing shepherd thing and the sheep are doing sheep things. Because today's religious landscape overall has lost respect for the shepherds. They've lost respect for the shepherds. And you can see it now because... In, in churches now, you, you go to church, and they've got a couch sitting up front, and the shepherd comes up in a pair of jeans and flip-flops and a T-shirt, and he sits down on this couch, and it's this casual setting, and we're just in one big giant living room. It doesn't have that, that vibration or that sensation of time-honored liturgy uh, of, a, of a community place or an appointed meeting time where God himself is going to show up and be part of what's happening. Again, there's much confusion. Let me read verse number 372. This is a Zohar volume 8, portion Shemot. The word Shemot means the word names, and Shemot is actually the book that you and I would understand as to be Exodus. We're in chapter 54, and we'll be reading three, verses 372, 375, and 376. Here's verse 372. Rabbi Yossi said, The way of the shepherd is to lead his flock with righteousness, to distance them from stealing, to lead them on a plane, and at all times the rod is in his hand, so they do not turn from the right or the left. So does the Holy One, blessed be he, do. 
He herds Israel, leading them on, a pl- on the plain with a rod constantly in his hand so they will not turn from the right or to the left. First thing we notice is that he leads the flock in right, right living or righteousness. This means that the flock itself is accountable, the flock itself is accountable for right living. We talk a lot about the conduct of our spiritual leaders, but when it comes and that conversation turns to the congregation, and we start talking about living right in the congregation, when we stop holding our spiritual leaders to a higher standard than we hold ourselves, all of a sudden now it's time to change churches. Oh, well, you see, here's the reason why I left. I left because I wasn't getting fed. I wasn't getting fed. I, I left to go somewhere where I can get fed. Stop lying to yourself. The reason why you aren't getting fed is because you're only eating once a week. Again, the reason why you're not getting fed is you're only eating once a week. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and I'll be right back. Looking for something different at your next retreat, Bible study, or weekend seminar? Restoring Grace could be the answer for you. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace, and we gladly support encourage and minister in many churches across the country. You can reach me at Dave at RestoringGrace.com Again, that's Dave at RestoringGrace.com or you can call 719-233-6265 719-233-6265 for your next upcoming event. So the first thing he says is he has to, he's going to lead the flock with righteousness. Secondly, distance them from stealing. Now, this is really an interesting concept because depending on how you're, you wrap your mind around things, how you, you see your world, it could sound like I'm going to distance them from stealing from someone else. But in that model, the shepherd watching the sheep, it's kind of an inverse property. It's not a question of the sheep going out and stealing. It's a question about the sheep getting stolen. Protection from the, of the flock from false or misleading teachings or doctrines. A shepherd will protect his flock, her flock, their flock, from false or misleading teachings or doctrine. You know, there's an event that's occurring in our churches today that we need to talk a little bit about, and it's kind of an interesting idea, but virtually every church growth study that I've read that either is either done well or worth reading tells us the same thing. It tells us that the vast majority of church growth is lateral. Lateral entry. What that means is you go to ABC Baptist Church, and it's on the corner of uh, Mountain View and uh, Steamboat uh, Road, and you pick up your family because, you know, somebody said something to you you didn't like, or they don't have enough programs for me. I'm not getting fed. And you go from there to the uh, XYZ Baptist Church. So ABC is down on the count of five, and XYZ is up a count of five, and at the end of the year, they said, oh, we added five new people. You didn't add five new people. But what's really interesting is I I think we should start to call for a new type of accountability when people are laterally transferring – totally off the subject, guys. When people are laterally transferring from church to another, we need to ask them, well, why, why do you feel like you need to leave? Uh, what happened? What was going on? Instead of stealing from one church to the other. But we've also got to stop we also got to stop letting these kinds of doctrines when something comes up again we don't need to bash anyone we don't need to say oh this guy's a moron or this guy's an idiot or you're going to go right to hell we just simply need to say listen here's some of the reasons why what's being taught here does not line up with scripture or our community or the direction that we're going this name it and claim it stuff 
you know, name it and claim it. All you have to do is is go to God. There's a, a new book out. I don't know how new it is. I just became aware of it. But there's a book out now where um, uh, some guy, pastor out in back east somewhere, has come up with the idea. He's looked up the uh, the old story of Honey the Circle Maker or Circle Drawer, if you please. The idea that there was a Jewish mystic on or around the time of Jesus who had drawn a circle in the ground and he stood inside the circle and told God he wasn't moving until it rained. And the story gets really cool. You know, it, it he starts to rain a little bit, and I'm not coming out, and it starts pouring, and then it finally pours and floods, and then he has to get out before the the world floods. Anyway, the idea is that you're going to make demands of God. Well, let me ask you a question. If name it and claim it really works, if this is something that we're supposed to be doing and endorsing as leaders, why don't we name and claim the end of world hunger? Why don't we name and claim the end of sickness? Matter of fact, why don't we name and claim anything that has a tangible and provable result that does and carries out the mission of Jesus in this world, which is restoring the world back to the Garden of Eden, back to the time where God originally walked with man. How come it doesn't do that? I don't know the answer to that. Next, he says, so first, I'm going to lead the flock with righteousness. Next, I'm going to distance them from stealing. Third, I'm going to lead them on a plain path. You know, we, we have to evolve. As a spiritual community, we have to evolve to meet the needs of the ever-changing world. I mean, we've got different kinds of people coming in. I mean, think of the first century when, as the Jewish synagogues that were teaching Jesus as Messiah were being introduced to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles were coming into the synagogues, that had to be quite an interesting time for them. It had to be very difficult. However, at the same time that we are evolving to meet the needs of the community around us, and I want to tell you there's a big difference between evolving to meet the needs of the community around us and kissing butt of the members in the congregation. Those are two different things. We also need to protect the observances, the rituals, the liturgies, the beauty of the things that got us here. We need to do that at the same time. Next, he says, we need to keep, he keeps the rod in his hand, and so does God, according to the verse. It's interesting to notice that the rod is in the hand, but it doesn't talk about anybody getting hit. Today's church discipline is a joke. People run their mouths, they gossip, they disobey direct orders with little or no consequences. Now, I'm not advocating the idea that we just need to beat everybody with us. You know who am I kidding? Yes, I am. We've got to solve the problem. We've got to solve the problem. One of the reasons why shepherds are failing, one of the reasons why shepherds are quitting in our spiritual communities and in our churches isn't because they're not capable of doing the job. It simply comes down to one very simple fact. They do not get the support of the leadership around them to take action when action needs to be taken. Let's read verse number 375. This, listen to this now. This is a really interesting remark based on the concept of understanding temple sacrifices and things along this line. As one attains life in the world to come due to the sheep, and when they are offered up on the altar... He who leads Israel properly attains due to them life in the world to come. For he who herds the sheep takes the lambs to his bosom, and when the youths give birth, that they will not tire, they'll not be fatigued, and the shepherd carries the lambs after their mothers and pities them. So should the leader of Israel lead them mercifully and without cruelty. And thus Moses did say that you shall say to me, carry them in your bosom. This verse starts out with a very strong comparison. Equaling temple sacrifice of sheep equal to caring for sheep. That is powerful. How we nurture and care and love the people that are under 
uh, the ministry under you got guidance, under counseling, whatever it may be. I want you to look at three things he talked about. Number one is pulling to the bosom. There's not a more intimate type of a detail, a more intimate type of an idealism than pulling to the bosom. Please excuse me. My nose is running off my face right now. This is so embarrassing. Number two is we carry them to prevent fatigue. There is a time, and not just for some, but for all, where you cannot make it on your own. You cannot make it on your own. You need assistance. And the third thing he talked about here was feel what they are feeling. I think the greatest disconnect we have is we have we have churches today. Just pick up a church bulletin. I say this all the time. We have <clears throat> churches today that simply are answering questions that no one is asking. Think about that. We are answering questions no one's asking. If you pick up your church bulletin, you're going to read about how this is what time we meet, this is what we do, this is what we don't do, this is what we believe, this is what we don't believe, this is who we support, this is who we don't support. People coming into your church are looking, they're, they're exhausted, they need an answer, their marriages are crumbling, they're living in their cars. There's a lot of challenges that they're facing. What they don't need to know is whether you believe in baptismal regeneration or not. They, they we're not answering the questions. Why? Because we're completely disconnected from the outside community and the suffering of the outside community. Be a merciful leader. Launching somebody through the field goal post of life is not merciful. And it's interesting that in Christianity, particularly, instruction with judgmental actions. What would happen? What would happen if somebody who was a teacher at your church or a minister or whatever came in and confessed some kind of moral sin, some kind of problem, what would you do? You'd launch that person through the field goal post of life. You'd boot them right out of their spot. You'd reduce them. Uh, I was uh, in a church out in California that just pretty much publicly humiliated an individual, brought this person up in front of the entire church and humiliated them. Half the story left the other half unhumiliated because... Well, that's a story for another time. Real quickly, I want to read verse number uh, 376. As a good shepherd saves his sheep from wolves and lions, the leader of Israel, if he is good, saves him from the heathen and from the judgment of below and above and guides him into the life in the world to come. Moses was a faithful shepherd, and the Holy One, blessed be he, saw that he was worthy of shepherding Israel using the same principles that he uses to tend the sheep. Remember, that's what Moses was doing when he was called. And the lambs according to their needs and the females according to their needs. A good shepherd saves from what? From outside influence, from the heathen. He saves them from judgment, and he saves them from above. Sweetening judgments, teaching people how to correct and live correctly. And it's interesting, in the closing of that verse, he says, lambs according to lambs, that's males, according to females. There is a seriously alarming and improper degree of behavior in the fellowships of unneeded contact promoted in our pulpits as healthy congregational care. We need to remember that Male and female, all of us, we need to have things that, that work for women, the things that are working for the men. We need to show a lot. We need to show love and compassion. My name is David Fournier, one of the instructors here at Restoring Grace. Thank you so much for joining me, whether live or archived. Mm -hmm.